0: And now, back to Lifeline with Craig
1: Roberts. On today's program, a very special guest joining us. In fact, a guest that is a very familiar voice to listeners of this radio station. You undoubtedly, hopefully, and if not yet, we intend to introduce you to uh, an incredible Bible teacher. um, A gentleman that is probably one of the leading... Christian apologist, not just in the San Francisco Bay Area, but in America today. He is Dr. Jerry Buckner, Senior Pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship. And, of course, he hosts Contending for the Faith, heard each Saturday evening at 7 o'clock right here on KFAX for many, many years. And, Dr. Buckner, wonderful to have you on the program.
2: Brother Craig, Is always a blessing to uh, fellowship with you and to be interviewed, and I look forward to uh, what God is going to do today.
1: Let's talk a bit about what God is doing today in the broader sense, and that, I think, is a good launching point for our dialogue today. One thought that maybe to kind of set the setting, so to speak, for our conversation, I'd like to get your your thoughts on what seems to be... Um, in, kind of a steady parade of articles that are showing up. It's research that has been put forward by the Barna Group. Gallup has even come out with information. In recent months, I've read articles in secular publications. Of course they're calling now. Why not? <laughs> the, one, the, one, the, one <laughs> the one thing that I forgot to disconnect, I've got a studio line here, and inevitably... That's where they call to renew my, my auto policy. All right, let me just do a pickup there. There's been sort of a steady parade of articles that even appear in secular publications. I'm thinking of the New York Times, the Atlantic, the Post, and others that have talked about what seems to be a consistent exodus of, From mainline Christianity, evangelical Christianity even, um, in, in relationship to millennials and Gen Xers that just don't seem to quite share the faith of their fathers the way our generation, the baby boomers, did with the great generation before us why do you think we're seeing this paradigm shift dr buckner with a decreasing number of people across the country that have kind of said yeah i'm okay with god but going to church i'm not so sure about that
2: yeah that's a very good question brother craig and i think a lot of it has to do with um you know the lack of uh people being uh discipled uh and that is a key thing uh We've gotten away from discipleship in a lot of our churches. And uh, when you think about the Bay Area, there's so much going on that's influencing the Bay Area postmodernism, liberalism. uh, We have the uh, wokeism. We have so many things going on today that's influencing uh, not only our uh, culture, but the churches as well. And uh, when we get away from uh, sound doctrine and we get away from essential doctrines, what happens is it opens up Pandora's box for uh, us to get really away from uh, the basic fundamentals of the Christian faith. So uh, I think also you have to add to that people getting hurt and uh, people are going to churches and they're not, uh, some churches not demonstrating the three L's. You know, we're talking about love, uh, we're talking about seeing love in their life And on their lips And uh, I can relate to all of that Because uh, We started our ministry The uh, Timberland Christian Fellowship By being a house ministry And uh, when we moved to the Bay Area Back in the 70s um, We uh, Loved the Lord We were faithful to Him We came from Bakersfield, California My wife and I were in an interracial marriage And when we moved to the Bay Area We had been brought up in uh the black church and so we were a member of a church in san francisco back in the 70s you know and um my wife started a daycare program and what happened was uh some of the uh women in that church uh told my wife because she's white and i'm black and told her that uh you know what um, we're sick and tired of you uh taking away our black men and my wife was very hurt by that, and I was hurt. And we went to the pastor, and we shared that with the pastor. Uh, and he was a good pastor, and he confronted them and dealt with them. But it still didn't take away the hurt and the pain there. And uh, we went to another church uh, in San Francisco, and the people wouldn't speak to us. And I'm not saying all churches are that are that way, but you know, back in the 70s, things were a lot different than now in San Francisco. So uh, we ended up... Um, saying the lord led us to starting a house ministry in our home and uh, we said well, you know i've been licensed i've been ordained and let's see what uh, god is going to do from here and he ended up uh, blessing us uh, with the house ministry and then we were able to uh we started that house ministry in tiburon where i live and the Lord blessed that, and then we were able to move from there to a community, room in Larksburg But we kept the name Timberland Christian Fellowship. But there's a, a multitude of things that affects people. You know, we got a generation of people, uh, young people, that's so much into technology. They're more into technology than the Trinity. They're more into uh, postmodernism. They're more into wokeism. There's so many things that are influencing Uh, our young people and adults as well. But uh, when churches get away from sound doctrine, you know Paul talked about in uh, 2 Timothy 4, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heed to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears, and the truth of God shall be made into fables, but the Greek word is mythology. So, when we don't teach sound doctrine, and leaders get away from that, because you got to we, we look at the issues around what's happening in our culture and why people young people and adults or don't have an interest in the churches and with that well we have to first of all deal with the failure of the churches and the leaders when they fail to teach the people what happens is it opens up Pandora's box for all the evil in the world to happen because the fault lies with the church not the culture so when the church uh, changes then the culture changes, and we got to get back to the basic fundamentals, the essentials, and discipleship, and evangelism, and doing the basic things that God called us to do, and we'll start to see things start to change and happen, and we might even see a revival if we get to the place where we repent.
1: Is it a fair assessment, in your opinion, Dr. Buckner, that you know we know certainly from Scripture, the, the enemy's approach since the Garden of Eden, essentially, has been that notion of dividing and conquering. If he can drive a wedge between God and the creation or between we um, as the creation from each other, uh, he can certainly drive that wedge, divide and ultimately conquer. But I wonder, if, to a degree, would would you think it's a fair assessment that he's sort of updated his playbook, in a sense, in recent years? You, you've you kind of, um, around the periphery, made reference reference to social media and what's going on today with technology and things of that sort and I'm wondering if the updated playbook by the enemy is not just to divide and conquer but to also distract and conquer and that certainly seems to be sort of the watchword within not just society in general but the church today that it's all about the show and the, the lights and the fancy performances and the entertainment value of a Sunday morning church experience and, and and less about the true meat of the word. And if the enemy can can keep our attention focused in everywhere else but on the word and on the savior, then I would suspect that the approach of, of distracting and conquering might, might ultimately be as as successful in his games, in his playbook as dividing and conquer. Do you think there's there's an element of truth to that?
2: Oh, a tremendous uh, element of truth uh, to that. Uh, because the the enemy he doesn't want us to uh, be Christ like in uh, what we do and how we do it, and so he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, and to conquer and divide. And so we we have to get to the place in our life where we uh, become discerning of that, and, and and that we understand spiritual warfare in the face of all of this, because uh, the one thing that the enemy does not want us to do, and this is the number one thing that Satan attacks, is the Omago Dei, the image and likeness of Christ. So he wants us to be like everything else in our world today, but not be reflectors of Christ. And that's the number one thing that he attacked in the Garden of Eden. And uh, he's still doing that today. So um, my prayer and our prayer is that we get to that place. You know, one of the things that we do in our ministry is that we uh, uh, are trying to uh, emulate and uh, meditate and and be an example of the early church. The early church was a family. And the early church was committed to uh, ministering to the whole person and that was spiritual, mental, physical, uh, financial, as well as uh, feeding people. And we are a family. We're not a large church, but we are a church that is reflecting uh, the early church. And what happens a lot of times with large churches, I'm not saying all of them, but what happens is that we become, we operate like a CEO, and we operate like a board. And and people get bored of boards and uh, i think it was jay brenner mcgee one time said when the devil was kicked out of heaven he said he landed in the midst of a business meeting and sometimes what happens is we uh, can operate just like the world and people are looking for something different from the world they're looking for a church like the first century church that's demonstrating christ-like love they're a family people are looking for a family and one of the things that happened with me and my, my family, I'm gonna share a story with you, uh, is that when we had went through that experience with uh, my wife and what she went through uh, with these, these uh, women of the, this black church, that uh, I had to do a paper. I'm a professor at Gateway Seminary in uh, Fremont. And uh, before that, I was a, a student at, uh, you know, Uh, Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary, they changed now the name to Gateway Seminary in in, uh, Fremont now, but they used to be in Mill Valley. And uh, one of my professors told me, he said, uh, he wanted me to do a paper uh, on uh, the cults. And you can pick a paper to do it on. I picked it on the Joe Witnesses because I've been a cult expert for 51 years. Uh, And so I decided to do it on the Jehovah's Witnesses and they said one of the things that you have to do is go to the Kingdom Hall and um, Experience their worship and everything we went there and uh, You know we were uh, impressed Not so much with the teachings, but we were impressed and touched by the fact of the people showed love It was a mixed setting and when we had went to this church, we had not experienced uh, the love that we wanted to experience but when we went to the kingdom hall it was so much love and we saw interracial couples and if it had not been great for dr walter martin who was my mentor and teacher if it had not been for him who taught me apologetics and and the essentials of the historic christian faith, my wife and i would have joined see because people are not uh joining they join cults and false religions because They're looking for a sense of identity they're looking for a sense of belonging and if the churches don't bring that and they go into the churches they see uh people being cold uh they see the people not being personable they see people operating like a business rather than a church family the early church was a church family and we can get more into denominationalism than being christian and christ-like and so Uh, This is what we try to offer. We try to offer in a Tiberium Christian Fellowship a family, a Christian family, like the early church. We try to show a lot of love, and we try to help people develop a sense of identity and belonging in Christ, because if they don't find that in the church, they're going to go somewhere else. And a lot of people are disenchanted, frustrated, and even angry with going to churches that we were talking about earlier, because there's a multitude of issues that have turned people off. And uh, I would rather be in a really small church that's showing love and being personal and teaching sound doctrine than to be in a large church that's involved with entertainment, involved with tickling people's ears and all of that stuff. And that's why we were driven to start this ministry, because we got sick and tired of being sick and tired of seeing uh, too much showboatism and uh, a lot of other things along that line.
1: Joining me on the program today, Dr. Jerry Buckner, speaker on the Contending for the Faith broadcast, heard Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and senior pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our dialogue right after this.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. Craig Roberts along with a very special and yet familiar guest. He's Dr. Jerry Buckner, Senior Pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship. And Dr. Buckner, I'd like to pick up our conversation where we left off just a moment ago. It's demonstrated throughout Scripture that the the enemy of our soul is a master of deceit. And if he can offer up the counterfeit, as a substitute, and, and and you've referred to this. So oftentimes, people will get pulled into cults that essentially are, are counterfeits or substitutes, if you will, for the legitimate church, as much as, for example, we read stories all the time about gang activity. And in so many cases, young people, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, they're getting pulled into street gangs today. Why? Well, because Dad is absent. Mom's working all day. They're basically latchkey kids. They don't have that sense of community and family around the dinner table at night. And they're longing for that connectivity. And so they're going to go where they find it. And a gang will provide to them a a counterfeit, a substitute, if you will, for the legitimate family experience. And it all goes back to, to the enemy's approach. Divide and conquer. Use deceit. And provide the counterfeit. And if people aren't studying God's word... Aren't testing the spirits to see if they be of God? It's very easy to get pulled into this sort of you know false dichotomy, this this false spirituality, and be led astray. But there's there's something too that you mentioned that I think bears maybe a little bit deeper exploration. And I, I want to begin by saying uh, the intent is not to to criticize huge churches. Thank God for what they do. I think if anything, the one concern that I would voice would be in many of the mega churches in America today um, it becomes a good place to hide and by that I mean you can show up on Sunday slip into the back enjoy the music enjoy the sermon enjoy the service slip back out nobody even knows that you were there that that sense of family within the body of Christ is often absent that That ability to have that iron sharpening iron kind of experience when it comes to dealing with the matters of of everyday life and family and what all that means. It's very difficult, I would imagine, Dr. Buckner, to to create that kind of environment when you've got... 10,000 people, say, at church on Sunday morning, as opposed to what you referred to a moment ago, that almost house church experience that is so indicative of what the first century church looked like, where, you know, out of necessity, we're, we're gathering in hiding places because Christians, of course, were, were, were being persecuted. But I wonder if, in a real true sense, God is able to accomplish more in our lives in in a smaller church setting simply because you can't run, you can't hide, and the ability to have true connected relationships is just highlighted within that ch- smaller church experience.
2: Oh, absolutely, Brother Craig. And uh, you hit know, on some fine points. Along with that is that, you know, in sometimes in very large churches, and like you said, we're not here to down all large churches because we know that some large churches are doing a fine job. Uh, but there are some concerns in some of the large churches. Uh, and the smaller church settings, I know for me as a pastor, it's uh, everybody in the church knows me. Sometimes in a large church, sometimes people don't ever get a chance to even meet the pastor. Uh, in a small church, we are accountable. So people are accountable to one another. We don't have to have like a hundred different groups of Bible studies. We have one Bible study and everybody's involved with it. It's very, it's very unique. There's a lot of benefits. And one of the things when you mentioned about gangs and that sort of thing, one of the unique things about the Tiburon Christian Fellowship is that we, uh, I'm committed to um, uh, developing uh, men and uh, helping these men in our church to become uh, better godly fathers, godly husbands, godly leaders, and and just to see them grow and mature. And what I do is uh, many of them don't have fathers, and this is what happens in gangs, is that a lot of them don't have fathers in the home, especially in inner cities. And one of the number one problems in America, especially in urban cities, is the lack of uh, fathers in the home. So in the Timberland Christian Fellowship, uh, that's one of my big emphasis is to minister to the men in our church. And we go on a men's retreat once a year. And the joy of uh, doing that is when we come back and see men change to be better fathers, husbands and leaders and and priests of their homes. And uh, that has been a real blessing. And to see them take up the, the reins of being uh, a leader in our ministry and uh, leading and so that's been one of the joy for me as a pastor and then my wife she's a nurse so she uh, does a lot of things with the, the women and she also being a nurse she deals with a lot of physical issues minister to the people with uh, you know doing a little seminar things uh, with them helping them to understand medical issues and so our ministry is, is is dealing with the total person because I think the, the the problem with a lot of churches is that they don't have that uh, large, holistic thought of ministry, where they're ministering to the mental, physical, uh, spiritual, psychological, and we deal with people who are mentally, uh, got mental problems, spiritual problems, even we deal with people and helping to deliver people who have been demon possessed and oppressed and, and that's one of the joys of me being a specialist in the area of, of, of uh, dealing with cults and false religions and stuff and so we, we we minister to people who are demon possessed people who are demon oppressed we deal with people who have mental problems we deal with we have people in our ministry who are veteran they got issues we counsel them homeless people uh we minister to them uh, get them into shelters we do a multitude of things and we model ourselves after uh, Jesus, what he said in Matthew 25. I was hungry, fed me not, thirsty, gave me no drink, sick and in prison, visit me not. We, we visit the jails, uh, we try to visit the prisons when we can. We model ourselves after what Jesus said and we're committed to evangelism. And evangelism with us is not where people say, well, we're going to do this once a, a, a month or once a week. No, we model evangelism every day and our Jerusalem is Marin County and one of the biggest challenges in Marin County is that it is a new age and it is into spirituality. People will say, you'll say, uh, do you know Jesus Christ? Oh, uh, no, I'm into spirituality. So what we try to do is help them to get from spirituality, to becoming born again and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's kind of like what we do on a, on, a, on a broad level. And we bring all that in and we try to minister to people. But we, we also teach them a lot about in our ministry about spiritual warfare, because we realize that the enemy, as you were talking about earlier, the conquer and divide, we uh, defeat all of that by teaching them about spiritual warfare because once they learn the principles of that they're able to see the enemy trying to come in and conquer and divide even in our own ministry and they shut it down immediately because they got the full armor on of god and they're able to discern when the enemy is trying to uh, invade on into the territory of the Timurid Chib, Christian Fellowship, well,
1: and see this is what's so critical because what you're essentially talking about is the, the the teaching and application of the whole counsel of God, and 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 sadly sometimes, and and I know that for for mega churches trying to sort of be all things to all people is is a challenge from the standpoint of if you head down a rabbit trail and it becomes a 16 week series on youth outreach or something of that sort, then there's so many others that are not being ministered. To. And so looking at this from the standpoint of the the whole counsel of God and teaching people what it means not to do church which a lot of people are even eavesdropping on our conversation today or or probably pretty apt at but rather what it means to be the church joining me on the program today Dr. Jerry Buckner speaker on the contending for the faith broadcast heard Saturday evenings at 7pm and senior pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship we'll take a brief time out come back to more of our dialogue right after this
0: and now back to lifeline with Craig Roberts
1: Welcome back. Craig Roberts along with a very special and yet familiar guest. He's Dr. Jerry Buckner, Senior Pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship. And uh, Dr. Buckner, I want to return to our dialogue where we left off before the break. Let me ask you this. It dawns on me this notion of mentoring. And scripture's very clear it, it it tells the older women to teach the younger women the older men to teach the younger men that sometimes in the in the so-called mega church experience we're so used to at some point in the morning service pastor getting up and saying okay children's church has started youth church has started we have a group for those that are divorced everybody kind of separates out and and that sense of of interconnectivity that we see modeled again in the early church, kind of gets lost, and I would imagine with it uh, a degree of effectiveness. I mean, for me, I've always wondered, what is pastor going to say at the 11 o'clock service that a teenager couldn't or shouldn't be exposed to, the notion of send everybody off and do it all separately as opposed to coming together as one family, it just seems to me from, from the historical modeling of the first century church, that idea of ship everybody to a different room uh, is just not an effective way to engage in discipleship, and it, and it creates a disconnect, I think, between the generations where the ability to pass down that wisdom suddenly gets lost.
2: Oh, yeah, Brother Craig, you knocked the home run with that. Uh, we, we lose the continuity and the uh, principles of what the early church was, because my thing is to model uh, in this ministry everything that the early church did. They were a family. They were personable. They knew each other, and uh, they connected with one another. They were accountable to one another. And uh, we, we don't want to lose that because uh, even though we want to continue to grow, uh, we don't want to get ourselves to the place where we grow and lose that continuity and that personableness because that's what the early church was all about. And we're doing some very dynamic things and the, everybody loves it. They, they say, Dr. Buckner, I love it so much that I can call you on the phone and reach you personally as a pastor i don't have to go to uh the third fourth fifth pastor <laughs> and be counseled i go to the number one pastor and because you've kept that personableness in this ministry and you're uh, reflecting what the early church was all about because uh you know jesus after all let's think about jesus uh, uh you know there were large crowds uh surrounded him and uh they had different motives a lot of them came to jesus because they wanted to be fed others came because they wanted a miracle others came to jesus because they wanted to debate him and when you look at john chapter 6 it says that uh jesus uh started to give them uh like the peter and all of that some of the people started saying they said uh, these are very hard sayings because Jesus started to get really personable with them on discipleship and the cost of discipleship and the responsibilities of it. So, a lot of them left Jesus and Jesus said to Peter, now, are you going to go also? And Peter said, oh no, oh no, I'm not going. we're not going to do what the rest of them did. So what Jesus did, he narrowed everything down to uh, a committed few. It was 12 people that he dealt with and he worked with, and he developed those men, and that's what we try to do here, too. We we model ourselves after Christ and what he did, and he didn't have a large group of people, because a lot of them, when he got down to the nitty-gritty, a lot of them said, I can't deal with this. I got to go, because they their motives were different, and sometimes in, in churches, we have that going on, too, today, and what we try to do is knock out all of the entertainment attitude and we're trying to knock out all the showmanship and people uh, uh, there have been people who have come to our ministry from churches all over the Bay Area and one lady came she's been with us for a little while now Uh, she said you know uh, I heard you on the radio and I was uh, at a church where they were uh, teaching everybody in the church was speaking in tongues and there was no interpreter she said and then I heard you on the radio Dr. Buckner and I said my God, this is the church I want to be at because you sound like a very sound biblical teacher on continuing of the faith. But when I was at this church, everybody speaking in tongues, no interpreter. And she said, I got sick and tired of that. So she called me on the phone and said, you know what, uh, Dr. Buckner, I-, I want to come over and check your church out. She came over. She got connected with the family and she loved it. And she said, you teach sound doctrine. You know, I believe in all the perpetuity of spiritual gifts. You know, uh, I believe in every one of the spiritual gifts of grace. But everything Paul said might need to be done decently in order. And if we don't do that decently in order, then uh, it's going to be a turn off. So that's been another turnoff with a lot of people. They, inter- they're tired of entertainment. They're tired of people uh, isogeating the scripture. They're sick and tired of people reflecting too much being like the world and some people now are saying i would rather be at home and uh, to serve god there and when they come to the timberland christian fellowship we say you know what you don't even have to wear a suit they say you don't have to wear a suit and a dress and dress up i said if you choose to do that then do it but god looks in on the heart he he's not He's not looking at uh, if you have to have a suit on to be right with God. The Bible says, come as you are. And so people love what we're doing. We're not a huge, large church church. But we're personable. we well, family. And,
1: and, and, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it, it, man looks on the outside, but God is the yeah. one who looks on the inside and, and looks at our heart. And, and, and as you were talking about the 12, isn't it fascinating, and I think certainly not by accident, that as Jesus began his ministry, he knew what the, the end results were going to be. He knew that he came to serve and to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And and yet, when you think about the global intention that what God so loved the world the entire world That he gave his only begotten son. And so the notion of spreading this message, the evangel, across the globe, if it was done by committee today, we'd probably say, oh, we need at least 50,000 people. It would be all about the numbers, right? Well, here's what I can tell you. There are 535 people in Washington, D.C. that's called the U.S. Congress, and they can hardly get anything done. Nobody can come together and agree on anything. And yet 12 people literally took this message and here we are literally descendants of the spiritual legacy of those 12 more than 2000 years later, still talking about who this Jesus is. And, and you know, the other thought that occurred to me, and I, and I'm glad you bring this up, Dr. Buckner, because there are churches, God bless them for what they do. But evangelism is something that they do. You know, it's the third Saturday. We're going door to door. There's nothing wrong with that. But, when you look at true discipleship, isn't evangelism less about what you necessarily do and more about who we are? They will they will know us by our love that our demonstrated changed life also becomes a, a sense of evangelism?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh I have you 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 hit on a really good point there. That's why I say that the Timberland Christian Fellowship, we teach people to uh that to share the love of Christ as a lifestyle daily is not something where you say uh, we're going to set aside this time of the month to do this and that. No, what we do is we emulate, imitate everything he says and he said by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one towards another. And he said, and the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, do I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love. I become a tickling symbol and a sounding brass. And so we teach our fellowship that uh, to emulate the three L's, people need to see love and love in us. They need to see, that's the first L, they need to see, uh, love in our life, the second L, and love on our lips, and that's the thing that's going to draw people to Jesus Christ. We think, oh, you got to draw them by being some type of theological expert, and that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, "By this shall all men know that you are my disciple. You have love one towards another, and we try to do that, and uh, and 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 when we do that." Uh, people are attracted to that we are not distracting people as you mentioned earlier we are attracting them because we're doing exactly what jesus said to do and that is to love people and to show that love in action it's not just on our lips because that last l is lips and a lot of people in churches they do it with their lips but i tell people in our church i said now look the first impression is the last impression somebody comes in the church uh the typical christian fellowship and nobody speaks and nobody says hello and nobody says thank you for coming we appreciate your visiting that might be the last time that person comes true and that what is what we experience. see we experienced that and, and 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 we almost joined a cult as a result of that but we we had walter martin there to teach a sound doctrine and but people are driven to churches not because it's a mega church, not because it's a small church or a medium church. They're drawn to churches because people are demonstrating the love of Christ daily in their lives. It's a lifestyle. So when we go out, we have a church fellowship where we go out, uh, do social things every Friday. But part of that is we're witnessing and and sharing the gospel. I went to a, uh, we went to a theater and, uh, Went to the theater and I was there talking to some guys that work there, and I talked to them about the uh, Roman Road because the Roman Road is uh, basic. It is uh, I, I teach evangelism as an adjunct professor at Gateway, and I teach all the students about the Roman Road. You ever heard of the Roman wo- Road? Mm-hmm. Great, mm-hmm. I have. Yeah, and the Roman Road has to do with basic things like Romans three and twenty three. All of sin come short of the glory of God. Romans 6 and 23, the ways of sin is death, gift of God's eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. And then I teach people in our church, if you're going to witness to people, you got to memorize Romans 10, 9 and 10 and get that memorized. And so we went to that theater and started witnessing to some guys because they looked in our lives and said, you guys are so friendly. You're so outgoing. What is it? And so we started talking to them about Jesus and right there at the theater, I led the Lord used me to lead two men, two men to Christ right there. Wow! And the thing that attracted them to us is that it was love. And that's what people need, because that will stop them joining cults, false religions, gangs. Oh, because people are looking for a sense of identity and belonging. And if they don't find it in the home and in the church, they're going to go somewhere else to try to find it.
1: Joining me on the program today, Dr. Jerry Buckner, speaker on the Contending for the Faith broadcast, heard Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and senior pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our dialogue right after this.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. Craig Roberts along with a very special and yet familiar guest. He's Dr. Jerry Buckner, Senior Pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship. And Dr. Buckner, I'd like to pick up our conversation where we left off just a moment ago. The bigger overarching idea... Is the notion of relationship. And 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 while it may be difficult for us early on in our spiritual journey as we're trying to make that connection, and perhaps absent of having been exposed to scripture, people head off in all kinds of different directions, maybe even sometimes outside of the confines of religion, meaning they're looking for you know, power, authority, money, recognition, whatever it might be, but all ultimately toward trying to fill that God-shaped space in their life, that that connection, that in a better term, that relationship that, that God himself says, hey, I, I desire to have a relationship with my creation. He provided his son as the bridge, as the gateway, the means by which we might be able to establish that kind of relationship with the very God creator of the universe. And so if, if we're not just talking about it, but we're living it, and people see a difference in our lives, of course they're going to be attracted to that. And that that sense of, yes, you need to evangelize and be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within, but at the same token, to be able to live out your life, let people see Christ in your life. And when they notice, as you were suggesting a moment ago in that theater experience, when they notice, well, there's something different. There's something peculiar about this person. What makes them peculiar in a good way? Then, then God opens the door for us to share more. And and I'm so delighted that that is an integral part of Tiburon Christian Fellowship and has been from the very beginning. Dr. Chuck Buckner, for folks that have been eavesdropping on our conversation today, saying, you know, That's just the kind of church I'd like to get involved with. I'm I'm new to the Bay Area. We're looking to to lay down some roots here. Or maybe to the person who says, Dr. Buckner, I love God, but I just don't feel like I fit anywhere. I've gone to big churches, and I kind of feel like I'm a wallflower. I went to another church, and I just kind of got ignored. I'm looking for a place that I can call home where I I really feel that sense of connectivity, not only on the, the vertical plane with God, but on the horizontal plane with fellow believers. For folks that want to find out more, tell us a bit about where you meet, your service times, and what people will encounter and discover at Tiburon Christian Fellowship.
2: Oh, yes. Thank you, Brother Craig, for that. Well, we meet uh, every Sunday uh, at uh, in uh, at 240 240 Doherty, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y uh, in Larkspur, California. And uh, we meet uh, for services uh, from 1130 it's about one thirty, and we pretty much compact a lot of stuff in that time that we're there uh, and uh, so when they come they can look forward to a lot of love that's gonna be the number one thing Uh they, we put love above everything else they could look forward to uh, discipleship uh, we are big time on that uh, the word Christian is mentioned three times in the Bible and the word disciple was mentioned over 269 times. So we're faithful to that. And we're faithful to uh, living evangelism as a lifestyle every day of our lives. So, And then what they can look forward to when they become a part or come and visit us is that we have a follow-up ministry where uh, we call people and we uh, check in with them. Uh, we uh, do counseling with them. Because we have a unique counseling ministry that is unique here. Even though it's small, it's unique because I'm a counselor. My son, Ben, uh, got his master's in social work at Cal State Hayward. We're so proud of him because he went to College Marin, got a double major in psychology, went to Sonoma State, uh, got a double major there in psychology, and then I got an MSW at Cal State Hayward. And... He's a uh, professional counselor, so we, and then along with my wife, so they can look forward to when they come here, any issues, any problems they have, if there's been involved with a cult, we uh, we minister, they're involved with mental issues, my wife and my son and I, we deal with that. If they're dealing with demonism, uh, oppression, demonism, we deal with that, and in the the power of Christ, we uh, deal with that. We deal with uh, all sorts of things, so when they come here the homeless and the um people that are uh need food to eat, we get referral, we're resource, and we do all that stuff. So if they come to the Children the Christian Fellowship, we're gonna meet their needs. Even though we are not a mega church, we are into meeting the needs because Christ told us to do that. And the early church, they were small and they did it. So so can we because it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. It's about the quality of doing what Christ called us to do. And we're obedient to that because I teach people Christ need to move beyond just being a savior to Lord of your life. And you got to live that lordship out, that kingship out, because the bottom line to it is we don't want to be standing before him and he says we fit in that category of many say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this and do that? And yet he professed, I never knew you. So we're going to do what he calls us to do. We're going to be committed, obedient to the Lord, and faithful to what he calls us to do.
1: And at the end of the day, it's not about doing church. It's about being the church. And that's the kind of
2: experience
1: that you'll feel at Tiburon Christian.